So, you know, Melvin Carrot, I thought that having Dr. F build me an evil robot John would be such a great thing. You know, it would make my whole life easier. I mean, it does everything that the regular John does, but it has a mustache, so it's... Apparently, that's how you know that it's an evil robot. How'd that work out for you, Toast? Pretty good so far. I mean, he works on all the segments. He does some of the interviews, he even edits a few parts. I guess that's pretty cool. Say, whatever happened to the regular John? Why not go looking for him? Oh, well, you know, the listeners, they voted, and it seems that Robots was more interesting. So we'll probably get to him by the end of the season. But I thought we weren't doing seasons anymore. Yeah, well, we also said that the last episode was episode number 80, so, you know, stuff. Uh-huh, wait. You said listeners voted for robots. Yeah, right? We've got listeners. I was pretty amazed about that, too. No, I mean, robot. We interrupt this special episode of the Swarmcast podcast to bring you a regular scheduled episode of... The Swarmcast Podcast. The Swarmcast Podcast is recorded, mixed, and produced on the poop deck of Gravy Jones Locker in the heart of Columbia, South Carolina. On the show, we talk about the gaming hobby and random fandom. Opinions on this show are... Sounds like your motor's running, John. I, I, I... I hear this. And I didn't get it started. I'm Toast, your cobalt announcer. And now, prepare to delve into the mind of your host, John Minas. Hey everybody, here's a bunch of jerks sitting around talking about stuff. Welcome to the Swarmcast. Podcast. A podcast about swarming. And casting. Mm. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, everybody. Uh, so sitting around the table with, with uh, myself, John, right now. Hi, John. Hi, John. Is Ruby. Ruby. Hey, Ruby. <gasps> and Thank you. Donald Dennis. Why were we all here? I guess that's the important thing is we were here and now we're podcasting about well, it. Well, I'm uh-huh. here because I'm married to him and I live here. Yes. Right. Well, I, I, I brought it. I can't drive home. <laughs> well, I brought I brought Donald here and uh, Donald who comes to us from Polly's Island where he is representing uh, the, the Wakamanek Branch Library. Yes. Along with uh, Shushkan, which happens in March. Shushkan, Shushkan, Shushkan. Yep. March 22nd through 24th, a couple months after your con. That's right. And if you're a fan of um, podcasts about board games or, RPG, he runs a few. or RPGs or things such as that, uh, he can be heard on, on board games. He can be heard on on RPGs. Uh, uh, the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast is the one that I'm most frequently heard on these days um, because it comes out more often. Okay. And that's for the library. Yeah, I get to do that as part of my job. So hooray! You get to be paid to talk about fun things. Yes. More importantly, I I, I got to get them to buy equipment that I could use 
uh, for broadcasting. So that's that's the joy of that. I don't oh, get paid yeah. well, but I get nice toys. <laughs> so so the two of them, along with Brian Gambrell of uh, Scarab fame, uh, they came over to... Who role plays a great gelatinous <clears throat> cube. He does. If you see him, you should ask him to do that. He will gladly do that. Oh, he's not going to hug me, is he? Uh, no, that's Miles. No, he does not like to hug people. He does not give out free hugs. There is one Scarab board member who is not Brian or myself or Ruby who does live to like to give out free hugs. See if you can figure out who that is. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so so they joined me at the table along with a, a couple other folks um, to test out, to help sort of play test and hash out some some rules and such for the upcoming RPG Pharaoh's Challenge. Yes, but it's all hush-hush. It is hush-hush. Yeah. It's going to be taking place at Scarab in January, and then there's going to be another one that's going to be happening at ShushCon. Um, we'll see what the format of that's like as far as the random elements and such. We we came together, and I pretty much said, okay, well, this time I'm going to act like a GM. Um, Ruby's going to give me my random elements, and then I'm going to get an hour to prep in. It was so hard not giving him or talking about the <laughs> random elements because we decided that I would be the one doing it at the beginning of the mm. week. And I could only do it when he wasn't at home. Mm-hmm. Which, fortunately, you've got a couple hours a day when that's not happening. And I'm not asleep. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, there's that. So, <laughs> so yeah, a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, when you stay up till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, you sleep till 11. Mm. Yes. Um, so we can, we, well, that's why you don't want me to crash on the couch. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll stay in my room. <laughs> so we don't want to give away a lot of uh, too many um, particulars or, or secrets or, or such about what's going to go on this year. But we can talk about our experience kind of working through this and trying this out. Um, I, I will say from a GM's percep- perspective, uh, getting these random things from Ruby to try to make into a game was pretty challenging so i i think that's going to be interesting um i will say putting those together i intentionally chose some a couple elements i knew he would not be familiar with right i was gonna say that's a great way to test because you know the whole thing is sure if gms know something they can do it right if they don't know something and you're throwing those elements at them then then it's more of a test of a the kinds of elements that you're using right but Mm -hmm. also the gm's uh, you know, ability to cope with it. And so it did feel like you were really trying to sort of test the boundaries of the competition. And then, you know, during play, something came up and, you know, we sort of stopped play for a while and discussed, well, is this kind of thing working for the event? Mm-hmm. Uh, does so it, was, it fit the vision does, does you it, have? Does it fit? Yeah. What, what John and, you know, Ruby really want the event to sort of have. And that was, that was sort of exciting because I've only done this from the other side Right, you, know, you were the winner last right. year. And so, yeah, right. at Scarab. Right. So, Which is one of the reasons he's a judge this year. That's right, because they decided that I was too abusive to the uh, players, <laughs> and they wouldn't let that happen again. No, um, no, I no. heard nothing but complaints from at least two players at your table. <laughs> yes, uh, but they worked for you, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> and that it was, you know, so it was neat to see that it wasn't just a, hey, uh, we're you know, going through this chest over here and throwing random stuff into a bag, but that we're sort of thinking about how are the elements going to work. And this format looks like it's it's going to be markedly different than some of the stuff you've done in the past for the previous Pharaoh's Challenge and for the, the iron stuff that you did previously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, 
when when we had to officially we were planning on changing it around anyway we officially got a cease and desist for using a certain name um and so it was just a good opportunity at that time to rebrand it yeah um overall i think both john and i have kind of agreed that we kind of want a different system a different semi-feel every year so that you know a gm can't just come up and say oh well i did this last year so it's going to be like this so you know every year it'll it'll be something similar but it's going to be different right you're not going to be able to predict exactly what you're going to end up with so when you started running the competition you you played in it the first year first two two years and then you took it over from somebody yeah, it yeah. was the first two years. Two years. Yeah. So the season desist letter should have gone to that guy, not to you. Let's just get that out in the open. Yeah. You had nothing to do with it. You just picked, <laughs> right, up, right, right. picked yeah. up the horse and carried it across the finish line. Yeah, those, um, those guys had a lot more to lose than we do. So yeah. um, we should totally send it to them. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, there wasn't much of a leg to stand on. We just were changing it anyway. But what's your vision here for the competition as a whole? What, what do you see the Pharaoh's Challenge being? Is it... Uh, just an exercise in flexibility is it a, a gm basic skills is it a you know a confronting the unusual or unexpected but sort of what's your priority when you're organizing this kind of event uh well i having gm'd so many things for so long i can tell what what sort of and having been in a couple of those previous versions of this competition um i to me it just seemed like just you know hey here's some random stuff go to it uh was was fun it was neat but it never really felt like a challenge right uh so what i really want to do is if we're going to call it a a gm challenge i want to do something that really challenges the the gm kind of pushes some of those boundaries of of what might you know maybe push them a little bit out of their normal comfort zone as Which it were i am really <clears throat> impressed um we we kind of thought that we weren't going to get a lot of diversity of types of GMs, but like last year, this year, mm-hmm. we have some people that we know are primarily Pathfinder Society GMs. So something that they get all of this pre-box text, the stats and everything, um, and a script, essentially, versus someone like John, who has always been a kind of impromptu GM, you know, he needs like four lines of text and and, an idea and he's ready to go and he can have an enjoyable game. Yeah. So we were hoping to get a mix of people and be able to challenge both of those kinds of people. Right. And at the Sheshkan one, we had two veteran GMs who'd run a lot Mm at Scarab and, Mm -hmm. you know, who did very well. And then we had two people who had, Green behind the ears. Yes, who you know had played was, in a lot of games, right. or who one who's really young, mm-hmm. right? And they also did both very well. But it was right. just sort of neat to see that diversity as well. Yeah. Right. And and so last last year was really a lot about hey, here's the system that I'm pretty sure most of you, if not all of you, probably haven't either had a lot of experience with or haven't seen or just uses mechanics that you're probably just not used to. Mm-hmm. And so, so to me, part of the big challenge with last year, at least, was the uh, can you learn enough of a system in an hour to then admittedly <clears throat> to then run and, and arbitrate a, a 
right. game off of. And we only used the quick start rules. So you didn't necessarily it, even right. have the full the full set of the rules. Was it only quick start rules for the... Yes. Yes. Every, all four of them were all just the quick start versions. Yep. Right. In fact, the one in fact the one you had not only was it a quick start rules, but it was a prototype I of this it. quick start rules. So it wasn't even complete, as far as that goes. And thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but uh, and then you change that up a little bit at Shushcon, where it's like, oh, right. you get the rules at the beginning of the day, uh-huh. and then you get the elements an right. hour, right an hour before. Um, now is that is that something that you're comfortable with talking about that you're going to either not give them the rules again early or or that you just don't want to say? Uh, well, I'll go ahead and, and re- reveal this right now for for the 2019 um, Scarab RPG Tiferos Challenge because we got to say that mm-hmm. however many times we can. Mm-hmm. Just like we got to put the Swarmcast podcast Swarmcast stickers podcast on stickers. everything. Yeah, you got to lick it so people know it's yours. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and I've licked it. I saw that earlier. Uh, anyway, so for the 2019 <laughs> challenge at Scarab, uh, what we're what we're going to do is the game system itself, because we do actually it's another quick start, but it's actually closer to the the full version of mm-hmm. the the system. Is we're going to give those to the GMs uh, Saturday morning. We're going to make that available to them Saturday right. morning. They can come pick it up, and they will be informed and know that. Right, and, and um, I'm not going to hunt down the GMs wherever they are. They will have to. They will actually have to come pick that up. So but it's then, on them. <clears throat> yeah, but then they'll have several several hours to go through the system, kind of familiarize with that. They'll uh, at that point they'll well at that point they'll they'll have some of the NPCs. I guess they won't have all the NPCs because the judges are going to the 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 special judges of us who like myself. And um, the others, the others who may be you guys and Brian. (laughs) (laughs) So there'll be some special characters. Okay, so that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And then they're going to get the packet an hour before. Right. They're going to get their elements. Right. And other things. The elements to to help them make the rest of their challenge. And that they're going to use that to actually build whatever adventure and scenarios and such for for the game. So, right. so the hard part of like wrapping your head around this rules. Well, I say the hard part. <clears throat> one of the more hard, one of the hard parts, is wrapping your head around these new rules and such. Uh, they'll have several hours to have gotten through with that. So, hopefully, yep, yep, yep. Hopefully, they won't be worrying about that too much. <laughs> they'll be worrying about this other stuff. They've only got an hour to to, to prep up. With. Yeah. So they shouldn't be running or playing in games the first session of this day because they're going to come and... That's totally up to them. I mean, that's up to them. Yeah, well... Hmm. I, I So I used to be of the mindset that, uh, well, I don't really like to to give them more than an hour because I don't want to make people feel like, oh, I, I got to miss part of the convention because I have to go sit in this dark corner and right. read this. And, and be antisocial. And, uh, and make a bunch of characters or... or or stuff like that. But uh, apparently 2019 is about me saying, ah, the heck with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still not making them make a bunch of characters because there will be pre-gens. That's, that's no Right, secret. I'm just making them learn a, a game system. And... So I'm, predicting, I'm predicting that uh, in, uh, in 2020, you're going to give out the stuff Friday night. And then... <laughs> we already have Mechanation's going for 2020s and which then they run it at i'm 8 really excited about yeah 2020 is going to be some really neat stuff unfortunately it was ideas that we came up with uh 
last minute, like a, a couple months ago. So well, it's not going to be implemented for no, not for, this year. <laughs> for this for 2019. No, it's going to take a little bit. It's going to be a little bit more involved. Well, I think uh, everything else about the special <laughs> secret details are all shush, shush, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, any last thoughts? Uh, did you learn anything uh, during your run today that you can talk about? Yeah. I yeah. Well, I did, but I'm not sure if it's something I can talk about. <clears throat> it has to do Alcohol with, definitely has to do with what we were going to put up. right in the middle. Yeah, I learned. Um, so we, we toyed with the idea of, yeah, yeah, when the players go on a break, because usually the <laughs> formats the formats pretty much stay the same. I give them like a break in about the middle of the game. They get a 30-minute break. And, we, and I joked around about the whole idea of, yeah, and then we can go get the players all, you know, sloshed and be like, here's here's your uh, here's your players back for the second half of your game. We got them drunk. Ha ha. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Cause no, no. And then we, we, we thought it's a, about it's, it's a getting the con. GMs jo- drunk. But again. Yeah, because I said it'd be cheaper. <laughs> it'd be cheaper. It would yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other mention is Sugar Rush. Yeah. Is, you know, sugar tro- rush. swap out all the uh, the players for the first half with a group of children candy. hyped up on sugar for the second half. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's probably not going to happen either. No, but, no, uh, no. You know. So, so these will all be things that will not happen in 2019. <laughs> and, so. and this is why we do quality control. Yeah. That's why why you you test things out. Is that what we did? It had a yes. quality. It did. It did. <clears throat> so I wasn't sure. Like some of the elements, I wasn't sure if we had to tone them back or such. I think there's, I think there's a good amount of them. Yeah. So I'm not sure we need to tone them back. Um, and I kept thinking, well, this is the way I chose to do this. There's other GMs who might choose to do it other ways. and Very true. So it'll, it'll, I think it's still going to be interesting to see how they interpret and take. Yeah, the, set, the setting I think is going to be very interesting to see how that goes down at the show. Right. I do too. I, I think I'm going to really enjoy seeing how the players react to this particular setting as well. It is, I think, uh, mm-hmm. not going too far to say it, it mm-hmm. is a unique setting. It is. Yeah. John has a very good eye for different types of genres and types of games. We have many different types of games in our house, other than standard Pathfinder, D&D, Shadowrun. We have a lot of other systems. A lot of off-market games. Right. That that they're they're (laughs) indie. (laughs) That's not what I I didn't mean to say that. They're they're not indie (laughs) games per se, but they are from smaller publishers. When are you running me some Dogs in the Vineyard, John? That's what I need to know. I don't think he's ever run Dogs in the Vineyard. I haven't, but you somebody it? was somebody did run that for um, the last time I was in, participating as a GM. Yeah, in the contest that was this that had a former name. Yes. Mm. Oh gosh, that's so hard to say. <laughs> he didn't win either. Some metallic, but I beat him. Referee competition. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We'll call it that. So uh, let's we could we can we could see some games that it's not going to be. Some it's not going to be Overlight. It's not going to be Overlight as she looks over there and sees Overlight. Yeah, it's a colorful book. Oh yes. It's not going to be D twenty Modern or Dragon Age or Dragon Age or or the Dracula dossier or Golden Sky Stories. It's it's it may or may not uh, be Drop Mix. <laughs> Ooh, that would be a great scenario. Generator. Drop, drop Mix yeah. the RPG. Hmm. Um, it's not going to be. It's not going to be Deadlands. Yeah, no flavor of Savage Worlds. That's true. It is not going to be Savage Worlds. That takes out a. That lot. takes out a big chunk really? of it right there. Yeah. But we're not promising it's not rifts. That's true. Or GURPS. Is it GURPS rips? Rifts? No, no they're, they're different. They're different. 
it may or may not be a palladium system thing at all. That's but true. if it is, that's so mean. But if people if it, go out and buy palladium books and it doesn't end up being that, it's it's not going to be anything that has the name Robin D. Laws attached to it. Oh wow, that's that, that? cuts out that cuts out like what half the oh, RPGs, the, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, Thirteenth Age would have been a good one. Yeah, it would have. We did toy with that. Thirteenth Age point. would have been amazing. It's not Thirteenth Age. Yeah, we did toy with it. <laughs> Paranoia also would have been great. Paranoia is definitely one of John's all-time faves to run, especially yeah. at conventions. I don't know if you got to see it at the last GnomeCon. I did. Oh, wasn't it amazing? <laughs> I was trying to run a game. But wasn't it amazing? Next to it. <laughs> That's true. I got some I got some applause. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Things thrown at you. Some requests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Yes. So there's a little bit of what it's not, but uh, not a lot of what it is, except for it will be unusual. And, um, you know, it will have an impact on the game room. Let's just say that. Yep. And dice will be involved. Yes. Oh, see, now that's another oh, clue. That's I didn't clue. know we were going to give that one away. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. I didn't say what type of dice or how many. So. Or the color. Or the color. The color could be important. Yeah. I do have to say, though, that the scenario that we went through involved an awful lot of dancing. It did. It did. It certainly did. <laughs> I think that was just Calvin. Because that, that being said, though, it is not going to be C. Dracula. Would you stop giving away games? <laughs> All right. Although it should be C. Dracula. I think we've, we've, we've got to. I've got to. Yeah. I've got to shut these guys up before they give away everything. Oh, Hush you. Silence. <laughs> hey, this is Toast. Um, go ahead and leave a Swarmcast a message. Remember our number, area code eight zero three four seven zero four four three nine. Maybe we'll use our message on the air. Who knows? We got a ghost, got a ghost. I admit that I'm impressed since I'm how tricks someone legit to come and sit and talk some stuff. Stuff. <laughs> so hey, Swarmcast listeners, you're still listening to the Swarmcast podcast. That seems like a... Why do I keep saying that, Calvin? Obviously, they're still listening to it. <laughs> well, you know, because you're never really certain... Maybe people get lost in what they're doing, and they're like, oh, oh, I'm still listening to the Swarmcast. That's true. They're at work, and they're listening to this, and they're just kind of zoned out doing whatever it is. And they just yeah. need to be reminded from time to time. It's like a nice warm hug that you're there giving you them. A nice warm audio hug. <laughs> That's right. So, yes, listeners, there's, a, aside from myself, John, we also have Calvin. Hey, who, hey, how's it going? Okay. Who, who speaks every now and then. <laughs> and we also have with us another guest who you've probably just heard. Um... We have a, a bit of a noisemaker, chief noisemaker, in fact, for Gray Fox Games, Alex Goldsmith. How's it going, Alex? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, John. So, Gray Fox Games, you guys put out, uh, according to everything I've seen and 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 heard and such, a lot of really um, really nice quality games that seem to be crafted quite cleverly. You can coin that. Uh, you can uh, feel free to steal that from me if you want. Oh, thanks. Oh, wow. That sounds like a, a, the makings of a very good slow man. <laughs> huh. <laughs> That's money right there. So where is Gray Fox Games kind of based out of, if you don't mind me asking? We're, we're based out of uh, St. Louis, Missouri, though technically the city we're in is uh, Maryland Heights, Missouri. Uh, it's it's kind of uh, in the northwest part of St. Louis. Uh, yeah. And we've been, we've been based out of here for the past couple of years. Now, I know um, – from what I understand, uh, Gray Fox Games puts out just 
uh, board games, if I'm board and card games, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, okay. board and card games were best known for uh, our, our two biggest titles are Champions of Midgard, a, a Viking worker placement game that uh, some folks have heard of, and mm-hmm. uh, Deception Murder in Hong Kong, a social deduction game. Those are the two the two best known titles from us. Yes, I'm I'm very familiar with Deception Murder in Hong Kong. I'm very familiar with Deception and Murder. Uh, uh, well, I, I was re- Hong Kong part in there. <laughs> I was referring to the game, Calvin. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh my! <laughs> little, little confusion there, my bad. So before before we get into some some of these other uh, fun games that that come out from Great Fox Games, and and Calvin says some other uh, very incriminating <laughs> stuff that we'll all have to deny later. Alex, what what can you tell us about the the sort of the uh, the secret origins or the uh, the backstory, as it were, for from for Gray Fox Games. Sure. So, so Gray Fox Games was started up as kind of the imprint, the publisher within Cool Stuff Inc. It was actually started by someone who founded uh, Cool Stuff Inc., uh, Shane Myerskopf. Uh, about a, a couple of years ago, Shane uh, decided to kind of split off, to go his own way, and move the company out here to St. Louis, where it was for a while uh, underneath Miniature Market, and uh, and then now, as of about a year ago, uh, completely independent. Uh, our our own thing and uh, and based out of our own offices as mentioned uh, in Maryland Heights. So, yeah, this company's been around for for a few years. Champions was the the first real big hit. Uh, although there were a couple of other titles released before that, uh, Conquest of Sparrows and Captain's Wager. That is some really cool stuff. I know that in the Scarab board game library, we've got a few Gray Fox games, and uh, just recently, I want to say we've we've even gotten a few to to go into the prize uh, pool for for January, including uh, a couple copies of, I want to say, Multi-Universum and one of your newest games, uh, City of Gears, which looks really exciting too. So um, why don't you tell us about City of Gears because it's got robots and I like robots. Oh yeah, it's uh, got robots, it's got steampunks, <laughs> it's got all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, City of Gears is a game that's actually been uh, in the works since 2012. It was a game that won a contest on the Game Crafter for, for best steampunk-themed game. Uh, it was originally with Arcane Wonders. It was going to be part of the Dice Tower Essentials line, but uh, the designer and the publisher decided to kind of go their separate ways, and we stepped in, uh, had the game on Kickstarter earlier this year, and just this past month fulfilled the backers. It's a kind of a weird, you'd almost call it worker placement, engine building, resource management. It, it brings a lot of things all into one, but... The the broader story of City of Gears is you are discovering this long-lost steampunk city. It was created by this mad inventor who uh, built this crazy city with automatons, and and he died, and the city died with him. And you're playing a development company who's uncovering this city. Uh, Every game you play has these nine city tiles, which start the game face down. You don't know what they are or what they do, and you're going to be rolling dice to get uh, steam and gears and all sorts of uh, good resources, zaps, to send those bots out into the city to discover it, develop it. And if you can do that better than everyone else, you'll be the winner and uh, known forever as the founder of City of Gears. It's got some uh, neat looking components to it as well, which is always, it's, I, I think is always important to a uh, any type of steampunk themed game, it seems. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've... we've got we've got nice thick, thick plastic gears and uh, and wooden robots that come with it. And uh, uh, these city dials with the, with the die cuts out so that they, they slot right in there pretty perfectly. So it feels like you're really building and uncovering your very own city every time you play. Oh yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks really, really neat. I'm looking forward to, to getting this to the table at some point. Now, I, I know Calvin, you were looking through Gray Fox Games website and there was a particular game that caught your attention. Uh, there were two. There was, I guess, I, I guess it's an, ex- 
expansion or the Reavers of Midgard, which is the sequel um, to Champions. That one caught my eye. I was reading through and looking at the video, I guess, that was on Kickstarter for when it was released. And uh, I think I'm maybe looking into giving that one a shot. Um, <laughs> well, but I, I hope I hope you give that one a chance for sure. Yeah, that was uh, that one has been a couple of years in the in the making. That game, uh, the the sequel to to Champions and. Uh, one we put a heck of a lot of love and effort into. The one that really caught my attention was the Pocket Mars game. Because, <laughs> you know, fast-paced, you know, quick games. Um, I have a coworker um, that that we always try to – we find little games. So when we go to lunch, we, we play games. And so this one definitely looks like something that, uh, that, that we'll be um, picking up and, and trying to play there at lunch. Um, from what I understand, it only takes like 15 minutes or so. 15 to 30 minutes? Yeah, oh. it, it, it definitely would play over a lunch break, and uh, it lives up to its name. It is a Mars colonization experience that absolutely fits in your pocket. Uh, now, pretty decent-sized pockets. I wouldn't put it in, say, a shirt pocket or something like that, but uh, <laughs> but it does it does fit and, and play on the go, and yeah, you'll, you'll get that little taste of Mars without having to break out something like terraforming Mars or, uh, or First Martians. Uh, it really gives you that flavor uh, without necessarily the, the, the big time suck and the... And, uh, uh, you know, in a box that's portable enough. Right. I think one of the most interesting things I found about it was apparently each card has, like, multiple functions, which intrigues me. Yeah, we, we scooped up that game from a company called Board and Dice. Uh, it was based out of Poland. Uh, they just merged recently with NSKN. Uh, but we picked up three of their games, and they picked up one of ours. Uh, they picked up Super Hot, the card game, which is based off the video game license. Uh, they picked up... Uh, we picked up Pocket Mars from them, and we picked up Multi-Universum. And a big thing that they're masters of are making these really clever card games uh, that oftentimes have multi-uses or um, are, are smaller experiences but with a lot of depth to them. And Pocket Mars is no exception. Yeah, you have these cards that can uh, serve as, as modules on the planet or they can get you resources, but it's uh, they're handled in a really clever way. So, hey, guys, let's uh, let's just take a, a few seconds here to talk about what games we're, we're currently playing. Um or, or currently interested in. Uh, uh, well, hey, Calvin had to step away for a few seconds. Uh, so while he's away, um, so Alex, have you been playing anything interesting lately, or is there any any games that are fresh in your mind that you want that you would like to mention? Yeah, sure. There's there's a couple that come to mind. Uh, we just got back from this place called the Gamers Ranch, which is about two hours west of St. Louis. It was just open this year. It's mm-hmm. this 170 acre ranch, and it is incredible. Uh, they're stocked with a, a close to a thousand board games. Uh, they have an indoor basketball court. They have, a, they have a dog on the ranch who actually likes to play basketball and passes the ball back to you. Well, that's uh, they cool. have a lake you can swim in. They have, they have ATVs you can go out on on rides on. But, of course, I uh, had to get in some games there. And a, a couple of them, uh, an old favorite and uh, maybe a new favorite. Uh, the old favorite is a game I love called Baseball Highlights 2045. Have you ever heard of that game? I have heard of that game, actually, yeah. Wow. That is, that is one of my favorite games of all time. It's uh, designed by... Mike Fitzgerald, who uh, also did uh, Diamonds, he did the Mystery Rummy series. Uh, he's he's a, a pretty well-known dude, but Baseball Highlights 2045 is one that flies under the radar because I think the overlap of board gamers and baseball fans isn't necessarily always so huge. But it's, yeah, it's baseball set in the year 2045 with, mm-hmm. uh, with robots and naturals and cyborgs. It is tremendous. It's a, it's a, a tactical card game with some deck-building elements and one of my favorite of all time. Uh, it's one that I try and play in tournaments of. Yeah, that was definitely not a game I, I I'd expected uh, uh, anybody to mention on on this show. So wow, that's cool. <laughs> nice. Okay, it's it's a good one. And and he just put out the sequel on Kickstarter, uh, Football Highlights 2052, which 
uh, is is pretty solid as well. But I got in a play of that out at the uh, the ranch, and then the newer one I got a play in of is uh, I don't know if uh, if you guys are, are big Stiffenfeld fans. Uh, yeah, yeah, from time to time. <laughs> I got in a play of his newest one, Carpe Diem. Oh yeah, which yeah, it, it's it's a very nice design. It, it's this tile placement you're you're running your you always have a choice of where to, to move your person to draft you're trying to complete buildings you're trying to complete villas and vineyards and uh, chicken farms and and get the resources needed to fulfill goal cards at the end of each round i will say the gameplay is really nice but the production does that game absolutely no favors the 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 look of it is very muddled it's uh hard to tell sometimes different different types of tiles and that's the unfortunate thing with a lot of stefan feld games right the the look of them is a little bit dicey, uh, but the play of them but they um, play tends them. to be pretty satisfying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Carpe Diem is, is no exception. It's a really solid game that, on the table, has some very, very, very bad production decisions, even <laughs> worse, in my mind, than, than some of the ones made for, for Castles of Burgundy, which mm. have that game not look so great on the table. So, yeah, those are a couple of things I've been playing lately. What about you, John? Well, I and, and my list is going to seem like less impressive than a... <laughs> than what you just mentioned. I've just recently was able to to play the uh, Transformers TCG uh, with my friend and occasional co-host uh, Doug. Um, I I'm a huge Transformers fan, so I'd been collecting the cards, but nobody else I knew uh, played the game. And then Doug got back from PAX uh, Unplugged, and he was like, "Oh, I just played this cool game called Transformers." And I was like, "Yeah, okay." I've only been telling you guys about this for a couple months now, so whatever. And so I finally got to play it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I've still only been able to play Keyforge like a couple times, but uh, the couple times I played it. Oh, I love Keyforge. Yeah, the couple times I played it, it's been really, really fun. Unfortunately, I got kind of sick, and all these tournaments came up, and I I couldn't go to the tournaments to play Keyforge. And our friendly uh, local gaming store here... Doesn't seem to be able to keep copies of the game in stock for me to try to get more decks. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, but the first deck I ever bought of that I bought at BGG Con, and it's this deck called Smithison, the constantly immovable, and it's uh, Shadows, <laughs> Dis, and Sanctum is the mix in that deck. It has three Control the Weak cards. That's a card that uh, lets you pick your opponent's faction that they must play for their next turn, uh-huh. and can really gum up an opponent's game plan. Uh, can really uh, set up some nice combos. I also have three Shadow Self cards in that deck, which uh, are nice little damage soaks uh, to kind of keep damage off of your folks that might mess with other people. Uh, I I really love that game. It's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, I think um, when when, when it first, when our gaming store first did a a big tournament of it, that's when I first actually played it. Um, And it was shortly after it had just come out. So I was able to, so I just kind of went into it blind. I was like, yeah, I'll I'll buy, I'll get these two decks. And I'll open them and play them right then and there. I won't, you know, I'll learn the game uh, as I'm playing it. And I found, um, I find that that's, it's kind of a cool game because it kind of lets you do that. It's, it's pretty neat. And then then once you figure it out, it's like, wow, okay. So now I know what this deck kind of does. Now let's see what, how this deck operates. And it's really interesting the way you kind of fall into those, uh, figuring out how the different mechanics of those decks, uh, the way they play. Which is funny. So the first time I'm, pl- I'm playing the deck I've got, um, which I think it was called the uh, the Destroyer of I forgot the first name, but it's the, the Destroyer of Equity, and it's like Shadow and Martians and um, 
what is it the uh the cyborgs uh, uh logos yes logos so it was just a really weird deck that that of itself does not generate ether but um likes to either archive all of your opponents things or steal whatever ether they generate mm-hmm. so it was a that weird sounds like it could have some nice nasty combos and yeah it was a weird deck to to, to start out on <laughs> but it was a lot of fun and then the other deck i got um was pretty much just straightforward uh lots of lots of creatures that just you know beat up everything very weird contrast um but aside from that i've been recently replaying uh Darksiders 2, because I'm really looking forward to getting into Darksiders 3. Okay, gotcha. Don't know much about that. Uh, video, well, it's a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I mean, I'm, I love the uh, God of War type type games, and it's it's right up there with it. And I can't tell if that was Calvin coming back or not. Yeah, I am back. <laughs> well, we had, we just finished talking about what, what games we've uh, recently been playing. and So, well, one game I've recently been playing is... Um, Again, uh, mentioning my coworker, we got into definitely not competitive, but uh, playing some Magic the Gathering again, Pokemon a little bit, uh, any kind of card game that we could throw in there or something that we could throw in at lunch. Um, really, those are the two big ones that we've been playing. Uh, um, and then there's always video games for me. But uh, no, that's really, that's it. Not, not too impressive. Haven't had much time lately, so. So, Alex, you'd mentioned you'd mentioned uh, multi multi universum. I think I'd mentioned it once as well. And I know I know that this year at uh, or rather in 2019 January at Scarab, we've got some that are going to be in our play to win in our price support. Um, what can you tell us about that game? Yeah, multi universum is a, a a really fun one. This is a game where. Uh, as, as the name would imply, you have a lot of multi-use cards. Uh, the story of the game is, is such, you are, are, are scientists at the Swiss Research Facility of CERN. The problem is you're very bad at science. Uh, you were trying to invent time travel, but you accidentally opened up portals to other dimensions. Uh, and so all these nasty things have come out, evil gummy bears, strange aliens, uh, weird ships, and you're now scrambling around your lab trying to find ways to close down the portals and shut everything down. All the while, you also want to g- gather research and Whoever can get the most research will win the game and win the Nobel Prize as a result. So how this is going to work is you're going to have all these cards in hand, which have both tools needed to close down portals uh, and then cards that provide actions. There are five different portals in the lab, and depending on where you're standing, that card is going to do something different. Uh, It might let you move your scientist to another portal. It might let you attempt to close down the portal. It might let you dig through the discard pile to find that card you might need. It might give you some sort of ability, a transformer ability based on where you're standing, or it might let you draw more cards. But that card will do something. It just depends on where you're standing. Uh, will change what it does. So it's a it's one of these that, that don't let the small box fool you. There's a good amount of depth in that game and plays anywhere from one to five in, in a really satisfying fashion. That sounds really cool. It sounds like like a game I want to crack open right now and play. You said so you said it plays from one to five players. That's right. It comes with a solo mode and and plays all the way up until five. Okay, because I know the uh, the games with the solo modes tend to are a bit intriguing to me as well. So that's pretty cool. I like that. So I know a few years back, uh, we had, Scarab had, had gotten their hands on a copy of Run, Fight, or Die. And I saw that just recently, it looks like uh, Gray Fox Games has put out a 
or I finished kickstarting a Run Fighter Die Reloaded, and I thought the first one looked pretty cool, but this one looks this one looks um, even cooler. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a Richard Lonius game that uh, was out a number of years ago, uh, but we wanted to to put out a new edition to take it kind of to the next level. Uh, so in, in Run Fighter Die Reloaded, we uh, we have all new art in there. We've streamlined the game mechanics. So uh, how that game would work typically, it's it sort of if you want to think about it, it's kind of like King of Tokyo meets zombies. Uh, you're chucking dice, trying to not get too many bites, too many zombies that, that lock in your dice and, and don't let you re-roll them, all while trying to roll things like loot cards or cards that let you get followers or cards that let you search locations or cards that let you fight off the zombies that are coming at your way, bat cards and uh, and gun cards, So, or, or results, I should say, on the dice. Uh, what we did in Run Fighter Die Reloaded was we streamlined that gameplay that a lot of people liked and uh, made it even more accessible, made it so the game could play faster. We added a, a solo mode to it. We added a solo campaign for Kickstarter backers. Uh, so that's a game that, that had already had a lot of love over the years. It had several previous uh, iterations. We wanted to, to take it and really put a fresh coat of paint on it, not just visually, but also gameplay-wise. I was going to say, it's, it is all sorts of bright and colorful. Uh, so Alex, you, you told us uh, prior to the recording of this that on your business card, and then the way I introduced you was as chief noisemaker of Gray Fox Game. What exactly does that mean, being a chief noisemaker? <laughs> well, it means I come on things like this and, and blabber a lot, oftentimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, Chief Noisemaker was kind of meant to encompass all the things that, that I end up doing. So I'll, I'll help out with convention support. I'll help uh, make sure our, our booth's well-managed at conventions. Also work on social media and our marketing efforts and uh, hope as many people as, as, as I can uh, know about our awesome games because I think we make awesome stuff. Uh, then again, I am pretty biased, but uh, we try and live up to the name Quality Games Cleverly Crafted. And uh, and so, yeah, that's the whole point of having a chief noisemaker. I will tell you the, uh, the the weird job title was inspired off of uh, Suzanne Sheldon over at Restoration Games. Uh, she's oh, a Dice Tower co-host. Yeah. And uh, her job title with Restoration is Master of Fireworks. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So my, my, my version is kind of a takeoff of that. And I've talked with uh, Bruce Vogue from um, Northstar Games, and he's the he's their social media wizard. Oh yeah, Bruce is awesome. Uh, one day I'll have a cool title. Not any day soon, but one day, <laughs> one day, something to aspire to. That's right. Well, is there anything that we can? Uh, are there anything in particular we should keep an eye out for for the future coming from Gray Fox Games? Are there any? Are there any uh, Kickstarters and such either coming out or even going on right now, perhaps? I'll give you a couple. Uh, one, our next one, as of the time of this recording, is a game we haven't really announced a ton yet. So you guys are getting a little little scoop here. Uh, it's a game called War of the Worlds, The New Wave, which we're, we're picking up from a Russian publisher. But it's a, a two-player asymmetric deck builder kind of set in, in War of the Worlds. So one player is the aliens and one player are the humans. And it's a deck builder where you're building up your deck to establish your forces on the board so uh you might add uh, an, a tripod to go around and, and burn down uh civilians and uh the other player might recruit say a naval boat to try and bombard the alien ufos but it's yeah it's kind of a, if you think clank meets dudes on a map is a good way of describing that game <laughs> that's one title that's coming up soon uh, and then the other one we have is a game called uh, sukiyumi which we're pulling in from a, a german publisher called king raccoon games uh this is a game that is uh so it's it's Oh boy, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time describing it offhand. It's it's another one with with pretty asymmetric factions. Uh, basically, the moon has crashed into the earth in the distant future, 
and there are all these factions fighting for control of the surface. So you have a, a one one player might play a race of uh, robot cyborgs. One player might play uh, the Boar Lords. One player might play humans. Uh, the, but they all act in very different ways and have very different goals about how they they uh, will take over the game. It's a game that was released pretty widespread in uh, Germany and has gotten good reception so far. Uh, we're hoping it will get an equally good reception here in the U.S. It was. Uh, was named one of Sam Healy's uh, uh, from the Dice Tower's top. I think he named it 37 of all time. I, I might be I might be misquoting him, but it was in his top 100 list at the very least. Uh, and it's a fairly new release, so we're we're very excited about that one. And we're uh, we're looking to bring minis to that game, which should be a Ooh. nice upgrade. Ooh, very cool. So so when can people uh, when can our listeners look forward to uh, to to being able to check those out or or such? Sure. So so War of the Worlds is likely to be uh, next month, so fairly soon, and then uh, Sukiyumi probably sometime in the early spring. That sounds pretty cool. I'm I'm really curious to see what what minis you're going to bring to uh, you guys will bring to Sukiyumi because just looking at the the different uh, minis for some of the other games, uh, I know it's going to be pretty pretty awesome looking. And uh, War of the Worlds, that's I'm intrigued by that too. Is that going to have miniatures with it as well, or? Yep, yep. It, uh, it will have uh, miniatures for the tripods. It has miniatures for, for some of the boats and uh, the tanks. So, yep, oh, cool. it's not quite as minis intensive of a game, but it does have that to really uh, upgrade the feel of it. Oh, very cool. As, as we were sitting here talking, I was perusing your game's list, <coughs> and um, something caught my feelings. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You like... ask, yeah, I don't know who's going to jump in on that, but yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I... I spent a lot of time with my uh, with my sister and her kids and my daughter, and ages eight plus. So I got there'll be three of them, you know, three kids we can fit in on this. But I, I'm reading, and it sounds like it could be rather entertaining. So, and it's in pre-order today. So when is look at this? See if I see a release date. Yeah, it's probably, probably going to be in spring sometime. We don't have an exact release date for it just yet. Gotcha. So, so what is what is the gist of a uh, Felix? So, so Felix is a game uh, done by the same designer who did Dixit. Okay. And this is a game where you're trying to. It's sort of like match game with shifting partners is the best way I can describe it. Uh, each round, you're going to read a situation, something that might uh, might come up. So, for instance, something like in the in the kids or family deck, there's a card along the lines of uh, your principal unfairly punished another student. How do you feel about it? And there are eight different emotion cards that are out on the table. And you'll secretly pick how you're feeling about it, what, what matches your mood, uh, whether that's positive, negative, or otherwise. But there's a lot of specific emotion cards to describe it. And then the game will randomly pair you up with someone for that round, and your job is to guess how they're feeling about it. If you guess correctly and they guess correctly, you get a sweet match point, match bonus, and uh, uh, go up a certain number of points. If only one of you matches, it's less of a good thing. And if none of you match, you don't get any points. But the idea is you're trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes and figure out how they're feeling about a certain situation. That's the whole point of the game. Interesting. Okay, that sounds like it'd be fun to to Calvin for you to take to play with your uh, with, with your various with uh, the ch- children's nieces and nephews and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they keep spawning. I don't get it. My family <laughs> can't seem to stop. They just keep spawning children. Uh, not not me. I would like to add. Like I got one. I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> I threw in the rest. Uh well cool. Well um Alex, is there is there anything else that you wanna you wanna bring to our attention or, or really kinda 
spotlight or highlight for for Gray Fox games? No, we we, we covered it. There was uh, that was pretty comprehensive, my 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 fellow gentleman. There, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, yeah, if folks want to stay in touch with us or follow our games. Uh, the Gray Fox Games newsletter has a lot of great giveaways, and um, so worth checking things out there. You can also follow us on social media at Gray Fox Games or find us on Facebook under that handle too. We're pretty easy to find and uh, love to talk. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for coming on to the Swarmcast to talk with us, Alex. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Huh, hey, oh, hey there, Toast. I didn't see you. Oh. Hey, what what, what you got there? Oh, this? <laughs> Check it out. It's one of my evil robot John podcaster robot figures. Yeah, fight. Uh, okay. You know what? I'm pretty sure that's just a Transformers Grimlock ah. figure. Huh? What? Nah. Look, see? I put a mustache on it. And I even added a few extra parts to it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is that a D20 for a hand? What What did all the buttons do? Oh, oh, well, see? This one right here. It plays random Julian Hatfield songs or guar. Right, that's just a little odd. Yeah, well, um, and this button right here, it makes him uh, spat a random Rick and Morty or a Brack quote. <laughs> okay. All right, and, and what does this yellow lever here do? Well, careful with that. That's the flamethrower. Whoa, whoa. Like, real flames and everything. Yeah. You know, just like the real John. Uh, you mean evil robot John? Yeah, whatever. So, you just took a Grimlock toy and modified it. No, see, it's called... Hey, I've got this one. It's called Kit Bashing. Evil Evil robot Robot John? And howdy. Wait, wait, which one are you? Why the b- best one, of course? <laughs> yeah, so kit bashing. You see, that's when. Why, that's when you take an existing item or a toy and you add stuff to it, or you modify it and you make it y- unique. That's right. You know who really likes kit bashing? Um, I don't know. David Hasselhoff in the late nineties. <laughs> Why, it's none other than the players of Osprey Games' very own Gaslands, Gaslands, Gaslands. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's where the people take toy cars and and, and like wreck them and glue stuff to them and and like sometimes even paint them. Hey, you know what? We should have a con. Say, let's have a contest, all right? All of our listeners out there can modify or kit babash a toy car of their choice. Take one of those fancy digital pictures, and you can post it to Facebook or Twitter, tagging the Swarmcast and using those hashtags that everyone's using nowadays, such as hashtag Gaslands, hashtag SCPCGas, hashtag Flamethrowers Rule. Yeah, you know what? Let's skip that Flamethrowers part. Okay, so hashtag Gaslands and hashtag SCPCGas. We'll vote on which ones we think are the best fit for the three categories. Good, bad, and other. Okay, so just like our reviews. Then we can post those three and have our fans vote online for the best one. And the lucky winner will receive a copy of Gaslands, Gaslands, Gaslands from Osprey Games. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The three finalists will be declared at Nat Scarab Gaming Convention. Yay! So get those entries posted by January 18th at midnight. Midnight, midnight. And we'll post the good, the bad, and the other cars. And let the voting begin. Hey, hey, you know, if you're at Scarab, you can always come by the booth and vote there as well. Sure, I'll count those too. Why not? Gentle humans, start your babashing. Hmm. Well, I better go get some glue, cotton balls, and silly string. Yeah, wait, what kind of car are you going to make with that? Uh, car? 
one cast has bugging me, this for you, yeah, you got the good, bad and other stuff to tell you, so listen up to our board game review, hoo-hoo's, you really like it or I'll make you eat your shoe, hoo-hoo's, <laughs> So I've got a couple more guests here. I've got uh, David and Tracy. I understand you guys played a game just recently called uh, Blurble. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Yes. So, uh, did you guys have fun playing Blurble? I did. I, it was okay. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. So, well, l um, why don't you both guys both tell me something good about Blurble? Um, I liked Blurble because it, it's, uh, it played quickly. Mm -hmm. So, there was not downtime for the other people. We had six people sitting at the table, and I didn't really feel like... Oh, it was no. downtime. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what he said. It did play quick, no downtime. Uh, the artwork was really good for what it was. The each card has a picture, and what it was trying to convey was very clear. So okay. there was no confusion over what the card represented. And I did that, like that. Yeah, and for that type of game, that's that's very. It's important. key. Yes. So, is there anything bad that you want to say about Blurble, or that you can't say about Blurble? I thought uh, when it was other people's turn. Mm -hmm. The answers were so quick to my mind, and when it was my turn, my mind was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's probably the only bad thing I found. Okay. I found it a bit too simplistic. Um, I, I think this might be a good first-grader, second-grader game if you're a parent. would work great with a small kid. Okay. Uh, uh, however, just adults playing it, it doesn't have that much charm other than just playing it that one or two times. So it's not something I would seek out. Maybe if I teach my kid or a parent with a kid, it, mm -hmm. it'd be a good fit. Right, but it's not a party game that gamers would pull no. out regularly. No. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So let's go to our other category. Um, is there something you can put into that for Blurble? Um, I thought the shape of the cards were unnecessary, unnecessarily awkward. Um, they they okay. were square on three sides and then a like a dome. Like a dome on the so side? it huh. was a little awkward to sh to shuffle, but. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think the game would do well with some sort of uh, mechanism or some sort of device in the box to hold the cards because okay. uh, it just had this giant clumsy stack that uh. you had to pass around. Whereas if they had a box that you could draw from smoothly or some sort of delivery system for the cards, that would be a nice touch. And actually putting okay. the game away, the cards seemed to be larger than <laughs> the space provided. They didn't seem to fit <laughs> back in the box, right? Interesting. It's so kind of like a pup tent. How you <laughs> okay, well, cool. Well, uh, thank you, David and Tracy, for, for sitting here and talking with me about Blurble. So that strange noise in the background can only mean one thing. We're here at Scarab 2018. And I have with me right now uh, someone who's been here before, Susan. How's it going, Susan? Pretty good, thanks. Uh, I understand this time you played a different game. What, what game are we, are we talking about this time? Verbal. Okay. And... Uh, was it Blurple? That's from a... Yeah, okay. That's one of those North Star games I think we got. Quark Quark. So why don't you tell me something good about, about Blurple? It was really fun. It was very difficult to come up with something because you're under a lot of pressure in that mm -hmm. very little amount of time, especially when you're sitting to someone who's older than you and possibly smarter. Okay. Um, is there something bad that you can say about Blurple? Well... Not really any flaws besides the <laughs> fact that I think we may have seen two of the same card. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. And uh, we got out something in our other category for this game. We figured out a good strategy. When the card is 
coming down, you either yell or just shout out some random word and it distracts the other person <laughs> for just a moment and you get a moment to think. At the very last round, it was a make it or break it round. The card flipped over and I yelled chrysanthemum <laughs> and it was a coconut on the picture. So I still got the word. <laughs> wow. Interesting. And then there were times where it'd be like, ah! you couldn't figure out anything to say. <laughs> wow. It was a lot of fun. Interesting strategy there. I have to remember that. Uh, well, cool. Well, well, thank you, Susan, for sitting down and talking with us about your experience at, at Blurble. Hope you have fun at Scarab 2018, and maybe we'll see you back here at the table to talk about more games. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Scarab 2018 going very strong. Um, you might not get that impression by the the intro to this, uh, but it is. Yeah, it's like 10 o'clock at night on Saturday. And I think I've been up since um, Thursday, maybe. <laughs> That's a bit of an exaggeration. But anyways, I've got um, some some folks here who want to talk about a game that they've played. So I've got, in, sitting at the table in no particular order, which won't matter if you're listening to this because you don't know what order they're sitting in, I have uh, Julie, Sarah, uh, Miriam, and Jack. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Great. Great. Yes. Awesome. So what game is it that you guys want to talk about? Blurble. Blurble. So did you guys have fun playing Blurble? Oh, yeah. Yes. It was great. That seems to be a game that a lot of folks are having fun playing this year. So what's some good things you want to say about Blurble? Very easy to learn how to play. It's fun to laugh with your friends. Mm-hmm. OK. It helps train your brain to think on your feet. <laughs> yeah. OK, OK. The artwork is really amazing. I guess this person must be like a children's book illustrator or something. It all looks very, like, factual but colorful and fun also. Okay. As I'm looking at a picture of a, a fox that's yeah. smiling. Great art. There are variations you can play to keep it fresh. Um, we actually played so much today that we played yes. every single card in the box. <laughs> yes, we did. And um, But there are variations in there, and they're actually... Um, like educational versions you can play with various ages of children and they're all listed in there so oh wow it's good for the whole family or school <laughs> or school very that's very cool stuff mm-hmm. you don't expect it to <coughs> take um it's basically it's pretty basic where you lay down a card it has a picture on it and you have to think to yourself oh that's a fox starts with a f what's another word that starts with f and it sounds like a really <laughs> simple thing but it I was timing it, and sometimes it took people five seconds to come up with a word, just because huh. you're so stressed in the moment. Yeah, you're put on the spot. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, it's funny because you're, it, you start seeing patterns of people's brains, asso- brain associations. Some mm-hmm. people, the first thing they do is change the second letter. Some people, mm-hmm. the f- they think of okay. something that's associated with that. Like mm-hmm. some people would see the fox and say fur. Mm-hmm. So okay. they think of something. Or see associated a pot and say it. pan. Right. And it's fun. When you play enough, you start to see the way people's minds work. Yeah. It's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything is there anything uh, bad that we can say about Blurble? I can't think of a thing. More cards. It needs more cards. <laughs> we can't believe we... Keep them coming. There are, there are hundreds of cards in here, and we're kind Anybody of impressed. played through all of them? We did. <laughs> but even though we played through them all, if you just change the yeah. way you're sitting, the yeah. game is different. Because That's then you're competing. True. You compete two on two, and the others are referees, uh, and it okay. goes really quickly. So if you change the order you're sitting, That's true. it's a brand Good new point. game. Mm-hmm. It's like two different two different brains are battling, so it's yeah, a different game. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing bad. 
Yeah, it's great. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing bad about this game. All right. Well, let's let's move to the other category. Is there anything we can think of that might fall into that? I like the shape global. of the box. <laughs> the it's box not is, your typical square yeah. rectangle. And the cards, it's, too. The cards mirror the box. Yeah, you're they right. Do. Oh, I didn't even yeah. notice that. Well, tell the, someone tell them about the lamp. That was freaky. Oh, the lamp card looks exactly like the lamp that's on the table on <laughs> yeah. when we were playing. So we, we, took a took a, we took a picture of it. We called it Lampception. Yeah, we were afraid like oh, wow. one of us would appear on a card. <laughs> <laughs> then what do we do? I don't want to flip over. Then we know card. we're in the Matrix. Yeah. It was great. It was really, we laughed a whole lot, a lot. Yes, we did. And you can, you know, depending on your audience, you can play, you can put different limitations on it. You can make it all, we made it all nouns to make it a little bit harder. Okay. Um, okay. And there were other ver ways you can play. Yeah, we had rules like um, if, if the word had come up at all, you can't use that word again. <laughs> Even if um, it wasn't used, it yeah. wasn't a correct word. We played it for hours. Yeah, hours. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. So thank you. Well, well awesome. Well, yeah. well, thank you for, for coming over here and talking with me about Blurble. Um, again, I was talking with Julie, Sarah, Miriam, and Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Thank bye. you. Still at Scarab, and at the table with me to talk about a game is Doug. How's it going, Doug? Very well, sir. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so what game are we, are we going to be talking about now? The card game Celestial Rainbows. Celestial Rainbows. Yes. I looked at this box many times thinking I need to try to get this to the table <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so what's something good you want to say about Celestial Rainbows? Celestial Rainbows is a very good card to play with younger people especially. It's okay. very colorful and, and fairly simple to learn. Okay. Anything bad you want to say about Celestial Rainbows? If you're looking to beat the person you're with, uh, the game will be absolutely useless because it is strictly teamwork with everybody trying to win or nobody winning. Uh, okay, okay. And what about something in the other category for Celestial Rainbows? It's very colorful. If you're colorblind, uh, I wouldn't play the game. Uh, okay. Uh, but if you're not and you like lots of color, uh, mm -hmm. if you're uh, especially attracted to rainbows for whatever reason, uh, <laughs> then, then I, I think the game would be worth your trying out. Okay. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you for, for talking with me about Celestial Rainbows, the, the card game, not, <laughs> not the actual Celestial Rainbows. <laughs> You're welcome, sir. <laughs> so I am here talking with cool the cool hat guy. <laughs> How are you doing? Very well. So what game are we going to be talking about right Today now? we're going to discuss Celestial Rainbow. Celestial Rainbow. Interesting. So yes. um, tell me something good about this game. It's a cooperative game where you build rainbows and you work with other people and you try to build rainbows. But there's a twist where if you draw a certain card, you can have special powers and create another rainbow. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so what's something bad that you can say about The rules were a little hard to understand at first, but okay. after a few tries, I understood it. Okay. So a little bit, little bit mm -hmm. challenging getting into it. It's right? a lot easier if you have someone to teach you. Okay. And what's something uh, kind of other? They had some really about? interesting 1960s psychedelic <laughs> art. Okay. Okay. And that's about all. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I guess that, that, that pretty much says it all, says it all for about Celestial Rainbows. Well, thank you for sitting here and talking thank with you. me about that. 
I've got with me at the table right now, I've got uh, returning guest, uh, Cool Hat Guy, and Sarah. And you're going to be talking about, uh, what game are we talking about right now? Chrononauts. Chrononauts. Chrononauts? We're not really sure how to pronounce it. We'll, we'll say Chrononauts. Chrononauts. Why not? So, tell me something good about Chrononauts. It seems like a really interesting game, and it had lots of parts that I think would be really interesting to play with. Okay. It's a card game, so it wouldn't take up a whole lot of space. Mm-hmm. That's something good. Okay. But, um, <laughs> and it's a neat premise. I like the idea of creating a paradox yeah. that you have to then do something else. I think that was the goal of it, to solve the paradox. Okay. Because time you're time travel. Time travel stuff. We'll just right. Like you have to <laughs> save John. So in order to stop the Lusitania, in order to stop Lenin from being killed, you have to make sure the Lusitania sinks, stop Hitler from rising to power, and make sure Kennedy does not get assassinated. Stuff like that. Oh, okay. I got you. A little string of event. Mm-hmm. Kind it's of a things, card game, so you have cards for different years placed in chronological order. Uh, and by okay. flipping them, you create a paradox because something didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you are given okay. a master card that you have to make certain things not happen. Okay. Well, let's tell me uh, something bad about Chrononauts. The instructions were really hard to understand. Either that or we had, for some reason, we had problems. We never actually played the game. We there set up the game. Okay. We tried to play the game, <laughs> and we didn't understand the game. The instructions were probably written by a time traveler. That's why they don't right. make any sense. <laughs> They're too smart for us, those time travelers. <laughs> they wrote the middle part first, and the end There you go. It second. didn't make sense. <laughs> That's funny. So is there anything uh, in our other category that you want to say about Chrononauts? I'd like to give it another chance. Sometime if we have time Mm -hmm. to play it and someone has played it and knows how, maybe we could learn by being shown instead of reading the directions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you both for coming here and uh, traveling through time to Scarab 2018 (laughs) and uh, talking about Chrononauts. Dose by Smart Iguana Games. Two players, ages nine and up, 15 to 20 minutes. Dose, a competitive and tactical dice game. Take turns placing dice. Connect four dice, adding 12. Scan me. I'm just kidding. That's the QR code on the back. Uh, That's pretty much the entire text on the back of the the game. So we've had Smart Iguana Games on the show, and we've even talked with Dan Machado at Scarab. And this is the newest game, which if, uh, if you're that person out there who listened to the last episode, you probably heard us talking with him about the game. Oh, I happen to be that person who listened to the last episode. <laughs> so that strange voice you heard right there may or may not belong to Donald Dennis. Hello, everybody. How's it going, Donald? Very well. Uh, so, Donald, let's talk about this game we just played, uh, Dose. Dose, yeah. It's it's a clever little dice game. Okay. So uh, let's say some good things about Dose right now. Okay. Um, well, it certainly had us thinking um, mm-hmm. and... You sort of really have to pay attention to where on this 5x5 grid you're playing your dice. And so it's not some dumb Yahtzee-like game. That's true. Um, in fact, the fact it's got dice, but you don't actually are, you're not actually rolling the dice. And that kind of threw me off at first. Right. And I, I like games where, you know, you've got this uh, map or representation of space and using it really matters. And that is really all that there is with Dose is, hey, where you're placing your bits matters. Yep. Um. I, 
don't really want to say too much about the because I was going to say what's good, what I thought was good was I like the 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 way the board was was made and uh, laid out. But I know this is a version of it. I think they've got a couple different versions that are going to be available um, after Indiegogo campaign is laid out. Holy mackerel, they do. Look at this. They've got a $199 version of this game, but it looks like the dice are a little bit bigger than your fist. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, they're pretty big. In fact, they're uh, based off of what I just saw. It looks like they're apparently bigger than my, f- bigger than our fists. Yes, well, your maybe, fist. maybe combined if you put them together. Oh, there you go. To do a big uh, rocket punch kind of thing. Rocket punch, which is not at all like this game. <laughs> um, so let's say something bad about about Dose. Um, well, instead of bad, I'm gonna, I'm going to damn it with faint praise that that this would have okay. been a a great, interesting game that we talked about and played quite a bit back in the mid to late 90s okay um you know you're you know you're it's very abstract um it's not it feels like you can fight each other to to a standstill pretty easily if you're if you're really paying attention to the board you can maybe you can't win but you can keep the other person from winning okay i'll say that uh, when i opened the box uh our, this box in particular came with a weird little scoring it wasn't weird it was a little scoring mat Sort of um, uh, some uh, chits to keep track of. Yeah, scoring. So, sort um, of like a pegboard. yeah, pegboard kind so of thing. Like, only it was discs. Right, right, and uh, that that kind of the 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 instruction book that didn't really say anything about that. I don't even think it said it was supposed to be included in the box. So that threw me off. Yeah. When I first opened it up, trying to figure out where that stuff was supposed to go. All right, so the graphic design was pretty good. It, mm-hmm. it looked, however, like it was a prototype and not like it was a final version. Uh, the, the dice that we had looked like they were sort of painted on by hand. So I don't know that we can actually evaluate the final pieces, or can we? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say no for right now. But that being <laughs> said, for, <laughs> for for what it is, um, it wasn't, wasn't horrible. It wasn't no, bad, uh, I mean, it, the, the gameplay seems relatively solid, if you don't mind sort of that tic-tac-toe someone can fight you to a standstill mm-hmm. if, if they're going to willing to sacrifice the win but it's also reminiscent of games like pente or other you know stones and lines capturing stuff yeah. which is that little added element of you've got to make the line of four all line up so that the, the value equals 12 and you can use one of your opponent's dice on the end mm-hmm. i thought that was sort of a neat thing but and you, have that, run- and you have that blocker die you get that one that's right. To kind of block if you want. Which turned out to be essential to keep us from losing on like the fourth turn. Right. You know, right. almost every game a blocker die got played right up front. Yeah. Because... It's always mine, too. It was... Well, I mean. <laughs> so let's uh, go into our other category. We've actually said quite a bit that probably could have been other. Kind of fit into I jumped the, the gun. Other. I'm sorry. That's fine. So uh, it's, a, it's a nice small. Small box, at least this version, which I think this is going to be closer to what the main uh, version of the box is. It they can't quite fit in your back pocket unless you've got pretty big back pocket. But big if cargo got, pockets, yeah. I was going to say if you've got cargo pants, boom, good to go. Um, yeah, I I would just have to say the other is. I mean, it it looks nice. It it seems pretty clear. I didn't get to mm-hmm. read the rules at all, so I'm assuming you did scoring correctly. Um, and I guess that's the other thing is you don't win when you win a round. You score out based on how good your dice are. Right. So it's a little more complex. So maybe your uncle or aunt might not get it. 
But, you know, if you're playing it with other gamers and you need something fast, then it'll sort of fit in that category. I don't know. Unless those aunts and uncles, they're probably playing a lot of Euchre and stuff like that. So they probably catch on to that scoring a lot faster than a I'm old. My aunts and uncles <laughs> are not playing Euchre anymore. But, yes, gotcha. All right. So, once again, uh, we were talking about Dose by Smart, Smart Iguana, Iguana Game. Games. If you like iguanas, uh, you'll love the iguanas that these guys have. They're smart. So that sound you hear in the background is us still at Scarab Gaming Convention 2018. And right now at the table with me, I have Sarah and Cool Hat Guy. I think that's an assumed name, but whatever. So what, what game are you guys here to talk about today? We're here to talk about I Drink What. Okay. And, uh, well, in that case, tell me something something good about I Drank What. I Drank What is really fun, and the game is different every time you play it. Okay. And it has large amounts of people, too. Okay. Big crowd, lots of fun. Very different. So is there anything bad we can say about I Drank What? I would say no. <laughs> no. I really like it. Okay. Well, that's perfectly fine. So what can we say that might fall into our sort of uh, other category about I Drink What? There's a giant flask that they gave away. Okay. It sounds like a drinking game, but there's actually no drinking involved. So children can play it. I mean, our kids 12, per se, and up play it. And here you can play it at 13 plus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's a game about drinking, but it's not. Yes, a drinking, a drinking game. game <laughs> Which is probably a good thing. Well, cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for sitting down and talking to me about I Drink What. Still here at Scarab Gaming Convention 2018, and with me right now, I have Tracy. Hi there. And I have Micah. Hi. How are you guys doing? They're doing wonderful. Good. Having a great time at Scarab? So far. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So you guys just got through playing a board game. Uh, what board game was that? Uh, Karuba. Okay. <laughs> and uh, did you have fun playing it? I did. I did. It was really good. And yeah, it was a good time. Okay. Well, uh, go ahead and give me something good about Karuba. Uh, Karuba, it was, it was a t- kind of a tiling game, and every person is building their own road system mm-hmm. to get their explorer to certain temples. And it was really enjoyable trying to make the maze or trying to navigate the path you had to build yourself uh, to get there. And it was just an enjoyable, pleasant activity, making the path. Okay. Yeah, it, you had to figure out if you wanted to use the tile or not use the tile, and if you were going to be the first one to get to your spot that you needed, or you just need that one more tile, <laughs> is it going to come up? Okay. Um, so can we, um, is there something uh, bad that you can say about Karuba? There was one minor in the fact that it was basically multiplayer solitaire, uh, is uh, okay. that there was zero interaction. Yeah. And it made it kind oh, of that. a race, which is not necessarily bad, but I think that this is, it had the promise of something awesome. This is, a, it's a really mm-hmm. good start, and I think a, a much better game could be built off of it, but I'm not knocking what was there. It was enjoyable. Okay. Yeah, you just, it, you played against yourself, basically. Uh, okay. Um, so what's something we could say that would fit into our other category here for Karuba? Uh, as far as my opinion, I, I think the game would uh, would benefit greatly from uh, uh, more options. Uh, I, I, 
more something. I, I'm not sure what it is, but something that uh, uh, would just give the players more choices that okay. maybe lean towards interactivity in some fashion. Okay. I'd say it's a really fun activity, but not really a strategy game. Okay. All right. Well, we've been talking about Karuba with Tracy and Micah. Thank you guys for coming by and, uh, and thank you <laughs> and telling tell me about Karuba. So here I am. I'm at the table and I've got Joe with me again, or still rather. <laughs> and you're you're here to talk with me about another game. Uh, what game are we going to be talking about this time? Karuba. Okay. Tell me something good about Karuba. So Karuba. It's a really neat game in the spirit of like a Sesoro or Labyrinth. Okay. Um, each person has four boards, but um, and you're placing some icons of like the adventurer and a temple, mm-hmm. and you're building a path between them. So everybody in the game is told, pull this path and place it wherever you want. Okay. Uh, so you're building paths. Um, you're trying to play, make all the adventurers end up at their matching temple. Everybody's trying to do that. But you can do that in your own way. So somebody says, take path, which might be a curve from left to right. Okay. Everybody places it in the way they think will work the best. Um, as you play, you go up, you can either choose to place or discard and move the adventurer to a certain level. The first person to make it to all the temples for all the matching ends the game and they win. There's also extra points for things you can pick up on the way. Oh, neat. It's really neat. It's beautiful. Um, and lots of good things to be said about I really thought it was beautiful and it's like Soro on TS whatever mm-hmm. you spell that thing yeah. <laughs> um, just like that I think pretty much anybody in the world could do this game it's really simple everything's on the board which meets my rules of a great game is you don't have to go to a rule book for every yeah. single card you turn Okay. So that's a good thing for me. So tell me something bad about it. Uh, something Karuba. bad is I don't own it yet. I, I, I just, <laughs> Fair I'd enough. be lying if I had a bad thing to say about it. I can't <laughs> say anything. I mean, that was just a welly. It's like Sasora. It's, mm-hmm. okay, it's not a Euro game. I mean, for some people, that's a real criticism. For me, it's not. It's just a beautiful uh, abstract game. Okay. I, I love There's nothing bad. Other, mm-hmm. um, very thematically pretty. I mean, just, I, I, I don't even know what to say, but it was really pretty. Um, the pathing was really easy to understand. Mm-hmm. The parts play really nice, and it's not as restrict. Um, you can play bad moves just to hurt yourself, but <laughs> you don't hose other people. You're just trying to do better, okay. but one at a time. It's really nice and cooperative. Okay. Or not even cooperative, but you're not directly competing. You're, you're not, not, directly, you're not yeah. knocking somebody right, else right, out, right. so it's very nice to play with your family. Gotcha. Well, cool. And well, I, would pay, I, would, I would look for this to purchase. Uh, well, that, that's great. Well, I'm glad you were able to sit down and tell, tell me about your experience with Karuba. All right, so we're still going strong at Scarab, and I have at the table somebody who's been here um, a couple times so far. Susan, how's it going, Susan? Pretty good, a little tired. <laughs> I hear that. It is Currently it is, uh, what, Sunday morning? I've lost track of what day it is. It is Sunday morning. So what game do you want to talk about right now? We just finished Sheriff of Nottingham. Cool, very cool game. Um, so why don't you tell me something good about Sheriff of Nottingham? It was a lot of fun to try and sneak in the contraband that are basically illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to try and sneak and pass, but you really have to know the person, whether or not they are a very seeing person or whether they just will let it go. Right. <laughs> cool. Oh, why don't you tell me uh, something bad about Sheriff of Nottingham? 
Well, the problem was when you get people who all like to check your cards mm-hmm. and the amount of money that you have, you can easily pay off. Like, okay. oops, sorry. Um, There's my one friend, he was getting a little bit upset because he kept getting all these contraband in his hand and he couldn't get them passed. Okay. <laughs> he, at one point, said he had five, four or five mead in his hand. Oh, and, and everybody's checking the, mm-hmm. checking the cards. All right. So, tell me something that's in this other category for Sheriff of Nottingham. It's really fun to get people to give you money. when you, It was the last round, and mm-hmm. I was the sheriff. I knew I was going to lose the game. I came in second for one reason because I got people to give me money it's either oh I you know I keep tripping over this hole in my cloak and there's cold weather coming up I really ought to get that repaired but I don't think I got enough money to do that and then there also there was also my friend who had a whole bunch of cards in hers she claimed she was taking in well I'm taking in this but I didn't really believe her, but I didn't want to say that. <laughs> you have to follow through on your promise if you get um, bribed to do something. And I said, right. I looked at her 20 coin, and I kind of, like, that is a very shiny, nice coin you have there. <laughs> maybe if you could um, maybe give that up to me, we could talk <laughs> not having me look in your cards. <laughs> so I got a lot of money from people doing that play, and that's how I came in second. Very cool. Well, awesome. Thank you, for, thank you Susan, for, for sitting back down again and talking about, about games with us, in particular Sheriff of Nottingham this time. I hope you continue to have fun at Scarab Gaming. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so I'm here with the Cool Hat Guy, and we're still at Scarab 2018. And I believe you have another game you want to talk about? Uh, I do. So what game, what game are we talking about? Today we're talking about The Captain is Dead. The Captain is Dead. Okay. It's a really fun cooperative game, so either you all win mm-hmm. or you all lose. There's nothing in between. And okay. the story is you're on a spaceship, your captain is dead, obviously, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of problems with the ship. For example, maybe the teleporter could be down, or comm links took damage, or stuff like that. Okay. Or there's an, an alien spaceship approaching, or there's aliens on board. So everyone has different roles, and they can use those roles to help fix the ship, and fix the shields, then fix the hyperdrive. And when sw- if you fix the hyperdrive all the way to the fully healed, then you can escape and win that level. Okay. So uh, what's something good that you could tell me about, about The Captain is Dead? The Captain is Dead, I really liked how it was cooperative. Uh-huh. And it was really fun, and the artwork was really interesting. Okay. Um, anything bad that you can tell me about? About the game? No, except it gets really hard at the end, at least of level of level two. Okay. Things just just everything just keeps uh, mm-hmm. getting harder and more yeah. challenging. Okay. Uh, what about something um, other about the captain is dead? I'm not really sure. It was mainly just really good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for coming by thank and talking. Yeah, and talking about the the captain is dead here at Scarab Gaming Convention. <laughs> It was a board game reviews from the Swarmcast. If you don't like it, then come over and kick your tail. Tail. <laughs> Toast meant to say tail. Toast. One. Ooh. Why do you do that? Oh yeah.
Well, everybody, the show's finally over. That's it. You can go back to your normal life again, though it's probably never going to be the same. You can find the Swarmcast podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us what you think. Heck, give us a good review on either iTunes and Tuned In, Stitcher. Heck, I think we're putting stuff out on YouTube now, if that's kind of your thing. Anyway, subscribe, like, whatever, all through those different guys. Or you can grab the RSS feed from our website, which is swarmcastpodcast.com. That's all one word. And you can also email us at swarmcastpodcast, again, one word, at gmail.com. Why not? Or you can leave us a message at area code 803-470-4439. And we'll probably play it on the air if you're lucky. Maybe. (laughs) So, until next time, keep on gaming. And when you think of toast, think of me. Music on the Swarmcast podcast is by iFightDragons at iFightDragons.com, MC Lars at MCLars.com, The Droids at DroidsMusic.Bandcamp.com, and Steampowered Giraffe at SteampoweredGiraffe.com. Learning dragon's blood Raised by a sorcerer He learned the magic A tear from his eye As his mentor died Teleported him to safety Best of friends. They all have each other till the very end. Adventurer roll call. Scarla the war witch slices and dices. Her magic is deadly. She's also the sister of Salgexicala. Marta's the magnificent. Smashes things up. He throws down his mace and things explode to the sky. Judgment the dwarf has a big axe. That's pretty much all there is to know about it. Then there's Bessie, the undead minotaur. She reeks of undead flesh and smells really bad, but the others try not to say anything. And of course there's the leader of this group, who needs no introduction. His deeds of greatness and compassion travel the land. He is known all around and everywhere else. Always
Minotaur.